I'm reading from Ephesians 2 this morning, if you want to turn yourself there. Um, Phil also read, the, the read this before the service, and I'm going to repeat it multiple times. This is really the scripture that God has laid on my heart um, the, the whole time being prepared for this message. Um, last week, I think Dad mentioned I got stuck in Queenstown which is not a bad place to be stuck, um, but weather wouldn't allow me to get back here. And so it's been a couple of weeks of really submitting this message before God in a different way because I was prepared to speak last Sunday. And I think that's been pretty cool because it's just, it's allowed, it's allowed God to solidify in my heart what it is that he has for us this morning because I wasn't entirely sure why he was having me go down the route that he, he was. But from the very beginning of this series, we popped up on our board in a leadership team meeting, what we were speaking on and where we felt God leading us and where we felt him leading the church. And one of the words that came up was participation. In this He Is, I Am series, what does it look like for us as a church family, for us as members of Zion Church? And how does knowing God change how we interact as family? How does calling ourselves a part of Zion, family members change how we act. And from the very beginning, when we had this plan on the board, God said to me, that needs to be personal. This participation message needs to be personal. And so I am going to share some personal stuff this morning, which I'm a bit nervous about because it's stuff that's really close to my heart and it's stuff that still makes me cry a little bit. And I don't really like crying because it's like, you know... Like I feel like it's weakness, but it's not. It's not weakness. It's God doing something, and it tells me that this is this is really a God thing because it is so deeply etched in my heart. So let me read from Ephesians 2, and then I'm going to crack into sharing some things. Uh, we're reading from verse 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship. I, I'm reading from the Amplified because I just like that it... It, it tells us what it's trying to say, right? So then you are no longer strangers and aliens or outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone in whom the whole structure is joined together. And it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In Him and in fellowship with one another, you are also being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. This is participation to me. This scripture tells me who we are meant to be in the in the in the body of Christ, and we could preach many different words, and I'm sure you've heard we're all part of the body, one part, many parts, one body, that type of message. But actually there's something significant in here because God's talking about Jesus being a cornerstone and us being fit together like bricks in order that we would become a living holy temple so that the Holy Spirit, so that the Lord had somewhere to dwell. And that requires participation from us. That requires us actually saying, I'm willing to be positioned. Because I don't know if you've ever seen a house move itself, but once the brick is there, it's there. It doesn't, it doesn't get kicked out and shifted around depending on what we feel like that day, right? Once a concrete block is in place, it's in place. And we already know that Jesus is the cornerstone. 
He is, he is the position, he is the positioned block that everything else is fit to. He is the foundation. And as a part of a church family, this says to me that we've got to be willing to be positioned and not fickle enough to let our emotions decide whether or not we move that day. This is about us being built together as a living, holy temple because God wants to dwell in this place. And there are so many things in Scripture that are, that are hard to wrap our heads around. And I think this is one of them because we know that God lives within us. We know that if we've invited God into our hearts, He dwells within us, that we, I am a holy temple for the Lord. I should treat myself as a temple because I should respect the sacred, the tapu space that God has in order that He would be evident, in order that He would be in me so that others would see Him in me. But then God also says that the temple, the living temple is where He wants to dwell. That's what the scripture is saying. And I like that in the Amplified, it specifically says that we are no longer outsiders without rights of citizenship because there are rights that come with being a part of the kingdom of God. But with rights, there are greater responsibilities. And one of our responsibilities is to decide whether or not as family, as Zion, we are willing to allow ourselves to be positioned and placed in an immovable unshakable way. And that requires something of myself being sacrificed and given up and let go of in, in order that I would serve the purpose of the building of the living temple, not myself. A concrete block does not a house make. We are all called to be positioned and aligned in such a way that the Holy Spirit, that God himself would dwell amongst our people because we have placed ourselves. That's what we're talking about this morning. So let me track back to when I was about 14, a long time ago. Okay, because I'm super old now. Um, we were living in Australia and... I was a very, like, typical teenage girl. Hey, Dad. She's nodding. All right? And I was praying with my mentor, Amelia, and I was praying about a boy. Classic. All right? We can all laugh. That's fine. So we're all praying. I'm praying about a boy, and I'm, I'm waiting for God to be like, he's the one. <laughs> this is the man for you. You know, like, all the confirmation you want. And instead, he did not say that. He gave me the scripture, Song of Songs 8-4. Now, if you grew up in church, I don't know about you. We, we knew that Song of Songs was like the naughty book of the Bible. You know what I mean, right? Like it was like you, like, you didn't read that. Not because we weren't told to, but because it was like people would giggle reading it. Like it was a joke at youth group if someone opened it and was like, we should read from Song of Songs. <laughs> so God gives me the scripture, Song of Songs 8-4 out of nowhere, at a time where I wouldn't say I was really living for him. So these disciplines, can I encourage you parents, I'd grown up in a household where prayer was a discipline, where honoring God was a discipline. And even when I felt distant from God, looking back now, I think that it's such a huge blessing that the disciplines were rooted in me because even though I didn't feel close to him, even though to my friends, I never would have told them I was a Christian, 
actually my first response when I was going through something hard was to pray. And I honour my parents for teaching me something like that. So you have to persevere, parents, because there's something that happens when discipline is formed. That scripture, train up a a child in the way that you wish for him to go. That's because something happens and solidified in us when we're children and we learn disciplines because they become what we come back to. So I'm praying, God gives me the scripture, and I've never read it before because it's in Song of Solomon. And I open it. And I was with Amelia, who was about 20 at the time. And um, it said, O daughter of Zion, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. <sighs> you know when God speaks in a way that hits you in the gut? That was this for me. And not because he told me not to arouse or awaken love, but because he called me by name in that moment, O daughter of Zion. To this day... I have never found the version that specifically says, O daughter of Zion, ever. It says daughters of Jerusalem, which we know is Zion, right? We know that there's, that's a name for the daughters, but to, I've never found that scripture. I can remember the Bible that I had it in. I had this like pink teen study NIV, you know, classic Bible with flowers on it. Disgusting. So one of those... All right, and it said, O daughters of, of, of Zion, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. And I felt something like this. I explain it like a gong. When God speaks to us and it hits that right spot, it's like a gong being hit in the perfect spot. A gong can be hit in multiple spots. And it, the further out it goes from the center, the less resounding sound you get. The, the less noise you get from it. When God hits that spot right in the middle, it resounds within you. There is something that vibrates within you. And that is what happened in that moment. And I couldn't explain it other than that something had been etched into my heart that would actually hold me to the Father's heart for all these years. Every time I went to make a stupid decision with boys, that verse. Every time. And it was frustrating when I was 17. And I was like, oh, seriously, God, leave me alone. But actually something had etched itself onto my heart. Greater than that, I felt that God had called me by name in that moment. And I did not yet understand why or how or what that looked like. But he called me daughter of Zion. And it felt like he had called me specifically. And at that time, I'm living in Aussie. I have no idea of this church in Tiamudu. I've never met Phil and Kathy, and I've never even thought about heading to a church called Zion. But God called me my name, O daughter of Zion. And something changed in me because it felt more significant to be called that than to be called Ashley by God. And I don't under, I still can't comprehend that. We moved to Canada. My life feels like it gets flipped upside down, but I'm up for a challenge. Love meeting new people. I felt ripped away from everything I'd known in Australia. I was heading into my senior year of high school, which is a hard time to leave. And I just wondered what the heck God was up to. But it turns out that that move was just one of those tiny things that God had to line up so that I'd end up here. That's a reality. Looking back, I can see what God was doing. Sure, we moved for dad's job and we moved for a bunch of other things, but I believe God saved me from 
a person that I was becoming in Australia that I was never meant to be. And that's massive for me to even unpack. That's a whole other story for another day. So we moved to Canada. Some pretty rough stuff um, was going on in my head. I was really scared of death. I've talked about this before here, but I had an a insane fear of dying and I was convinced that I wouldn't live until graduation and I, the enemy had a really big hold on, on that part of my life. And it was dictating how I lived. It was dictating how I did things. It was, it was really horrible. And every time I went to tell someone, the enemy said to me, you're crazy. They'll, they'll think you're crazy. Like you're going to get locked up. And when you're 16 and you think about a mental hospital, you think about like every horror movie, you know, like an insane asylum that was like the worst thing ever. And that was what was playing in my head. And so I went through a journey and again, um, I was sitting in my pastor's office over there and he asked me to ask Jesus for a promise that would get me through and help me to understand that I was never meant to die like that paper. And, um, and again, God called me daughter of Zion at the start of the word. And he shared a very personal picture with me that to this day has, has again been one of those things that has etched itself. This is God speaking to me, not through a pastor, not through neither of these two situations were through. It was God speaking to me. And those are really special moments because they become things that we hold on to. And again, he called me daughter of Zion. And I have no idea what that means in context of my life other than that it feels like he's calling me by name. I moved back to Australia after high school. I was still alive, so it turns out the enemy's a liar. And, um, and I moved back to Australia, feel really called by God to leave Canada, and mum and dad were super supportive of that, even though I'm sure for mum more than dad, letting go of an 18-year-old girl and letting her move to the other side of the world just seems like the most bonkers thing. But I felt called by God to at least spend a year back in Australia and then figure it out from there. I wasn't there very long before God said, no, you need to be in New Zealand. And I hadn't lived here since I was about four. Um, and so again, this feels like a massive shift. So I moved to New Zealand, have no idea what I'm doing, end up in Bible college, which was not on the plans, <laughs> but God has a way of doing crazy things. And I start interning at Activate Church in Hamilton where I met Phil and Kathy. And I didn't really know them. I knew of them. I'd seen them around. Phil often spoke at the 6 p.m. services, but I didn't know them. And um, again, little did I know that God was just positioning and lining up some tiny things that would impact today. So we are at a prophetic service, at a 6 p.m. service, and they ask everyone to come down the front and line up in front of one of the ministry leaders that they have along the front, if you would like a prophetic word. Like 90% of the church gets up to go and get a prophetic word because hungry for God, you know. And um, I'm in a random line, and then Pastor Ray, one of the pastors at the church, started shuffling some people around so that the lines were moving evenly, and I ended up in Phil and Kathy's line. And what happened that night was one of the most profound moments that I've ever had with people, ever. Because Phil started speaking, 
we were all very emotional. <laughs> Phil was crying before I was crying because he hadn't said what he was trying to say yet, so I didn't know what he was crying about. And um, yeah, typical Phil. And, um, and, and he just starts declaring this prophetic word over me and who I was and where God was taking me. And I think for the three of us, it's been one of those moments that just forever are there. You know, it's like you could never forget a moment like that because I didn't know these people, really. I couldn't tell you anything about them except for that Kathy probably liked Big Macs, you know? Like there was not anything of substance that I knew about them and there was this moment where God spoke to me through them in a way that made me feel like I would serve them. At the time, I didn't know what they looked like, but I would serve them and sit under their leadership and they would become like parents to me. And after the service, all the young adults used to go to McDonald's and Phil and Kathy walked in. <laughs> Phil walked over to me and he was like, I hope you wrote that down because it's significant. And him, I, I, he didn't know this. I don't know if I've ever said this, but, him, but when we left the prophetic word, I said to God, if you really want me to serve them and they are going to be like parents to me, he'll speak to me again randomly tonight, the end. We've all, I've told you lots of times, I kind of bargain with God. You know, like I kind of give him some deals to work with. And this was one of them. And he walks into McDonald's and he says to me, I hope you wrote that down. And I knew that God was calling me to something significant under them. Um, fast forward a couple of years, the three of us, I've been working with Phil at Activate. The three of us are sitting in this like Asian restaurant, <laughs> Thai restaurant. <laughs> And um, I'm at a rough, rough space in my life. I was really struggling with what God had for me. I hadn't planned on staying in New Zealand and all of a sudden I was really like living here. Um, and I had no comprehension of why God was taking me through what he was taking me through except for that everything hurt and I knew it had to be for something. And we're sitting at this Thai restaurant Phil and Kathy are getting ready to come out here and we have a conversation about what it would look like for me to come out to Te Aumudu. And I was like, mm, <laughs> that's so nice of you. <laughs> if only the church was like somewhere cooler. And, um, <laughs> you know, like I, I was like, there's no way that I'm, I'm leaving to go to Te Aumudu. But I knew that God had called me. I knew God had called me to serve them. And, and it's funny how he had prepared me or jostled my heart for actually quite a long time before that, so that when the opportunity presented itself, I was more willing to say yes. Had life been very comfortable in Hamilton and in my job and in life and friends, all of that, it would have been, I don't think I would have said yes to coming out here. But God was preparing this, this kind of journey for me. And we end up in Te Aumudu of all places, now I love TA and my heart is so here and I could never imagine moving back to, like Hamilton sucks now, you know? And, um, and I, I absolutely love living out here and I'm serving Phil and Kathy and we had no idea. When Phil prophesied over me, we had no clue what that would look like four years from then. No, no clue. There was no agenda. There was nothing to it other than that God wanted to release something that prophetically started to shape the, the decisions that I was making and the way that I was living my life. So now we're serving out here at North End Church. 
And, and it might have been a year and a half, two years into that process, God said to me, the name's going to change here. It has to change here for what he's calling us into. And it would have been probably a couple months after that that I sat in Phil's office and I was like, God says we need to change the name. And he was like, yeah, he told me to. <laughs> so I was like, awesome. Had no comprehension, no understanding, no preconceived ideas of what the name could possibly be. And that process of changing a name of a church is really um, personal between God and the pastor. It's a, it's a major deal. And so that process took a long time. And eventually we get called Zion. And there was some refining that happened in that space. God was preparing us as the church to carry that name and what it would mean. And still it did not hit me yet that we were called Zion. But we were. And I was super excited. And I felt like this was a prophetic declaration of where God was taking us and who we would be in this region. And not just in this region, but in this nation. God was saying that this would be a dwelling house, that people would come and know that they would hear from God here, that people would come and know that they will experience the love of the Father here because he dwells here. And that's where we come into play because we become the concrete blocks that make that up. That's participation for me. And God was really speaking to me about what he was doing here and that I had a role to play in this because I'll be honest there have been about 17,362 times where I've said I'm leaving and where I have not wanted to stick out the hard yards because family is hard being connected and deciding to stay in a place is really hard when everything in you says you don't fit you don't belong and you need to find somewhere else it's really hard. And God kept on saying to me, you need to stay. This is, you are home here. And you don't have a choice about that. Because he's hard on me sometimes. I need it, kind of. All right? He's, he might not be hard on all of you, but he's definitely hard on me. You need to stay here. And there was no if, buts, or maybes about it. And I said to him, man, like, I am desperate for some confirmation then because everything in me wants to pack up and move to a church where there are 50 more young adults my age where life is easier where like I people don't really know me so I can just sit in the back row even though like also at the same time I was like I hate the back row like who doesn't want to be the center of attention and like you know like they're, they're just like all these like competing thoughts I'm just being honest, right? But there's all these competing thoughts with where I felt God calling me and and I needed I needed something and I hadn't I hadn't pieced together all of these promises that God had over the years until the night that we came back from Daughters of the King camp and we had a worship service here and Phil towards the end of the service um, said, like, I just want you to go and sit with someone, pray over them, encourage them. And I was shattered from camp. So like even during worship, I'd just been sitting down the back, laying on the floor. I probably dozed off for a little bit. But like God's okay with that, you know? Like he's okay with knowing where we're at. And I said to him, I, have, I, I was like, I have nothing to bring tonight. Like I, I just feel emotionally drained and physically drained. But isn't God good like that? Where he meets us in those spaces too, where he's like, actually just come and be with me anyway, because I've got something for you always. Like he doesn't get emotionally exhausted. He doesn't get physically exhausted. He's God. And sometimes we project what God thinks because of what we're thinking. But actually he was like, just come and be in my presence. And I knew this is home for me. So I laying on the floor at the back is okay. Because this is home for me, right? 
this is my family. And I'm sitting down the back and um, I'm thinking like, please don't get me to get up to go and talk to anyone. Like I just don't want to pray over anyone. I know, selfish. Um, I don't want to talk to anyone. I'm over today. I just want to go home. And then Richard comes and sits next to me. And um, I have never shared with him what I'm about to share with you. So this will be a surprise for him too. But um, a good surprise because he sat next to me and he put his arm around me and he just sat silently for a long time. And I was awkward as heck. Like I was like, oh, get off me, get off. Like I don't like really people touching me anyway. And I was like, okay, this is like annoying. And I just like, maybe he thinks I'm sad because my eyes have been closed. I'm laying on the floor and all these things are going through my head. And God said to me, breathe. That's all he said. And I was like, fine, I'm breathing. Like, don't tell me what to do. And, um, and I still am feeling awkward as heck. And then Richard's just sitting there silently with some around me. And I was like, this is still happening. <laughs> we are still here, you know? And, and then he starts speaking, but it wasn't from him. It was from Father God. And he wasn't speaking on behalf of Father God. He was speaking for him. And he just started, he just, he actually started speaking directly to things that were going on in my world. And in true Richard form, he is one of the most gentle, beautiful, spirited men I've ever met. And I felt I felt safe, and God knows that. God knows who we feel safe with. God knows who our walls go up with and who our walls go down with. And Richard happens to be one of those people, as awkward as I was feeling when my walls are down because I trust what's about to come out of his mouth. And I trust his heart. And God positioned him next to me to speak things into me because I was not in a space to hear God for myself. And I just love that picture of God when he, when he actually speaks to where we're at again, you know? He doesn't, he's not this mean God that like waits for us to only come to him and hear this big booming audible voice, Moses bush on fire moment. He meets us where we're at and what we need if we're willing to put ourselves in a place where we can receive it. And so Richard's sitting next to me and God's speaking through him directly to me and I'd said nothing the entire time. And it was just gentle and it was beautiful. And then Richard stood up. Oh, I don't want to get emotional about this. No, I don't. (laughs) Richard stood up and he kissed me on the head and he called me daughter of Zion. And I had never, like, had someone say that out loud other than God to me. And everything fell into place. Like all of the years of stuff (laughs) fell into place. Everything that I'd gone through, every valley, every crap moment, every hurt, every lonely, everything fell into place when Richard called me daughter of Zion because he was speaking on behalf of God. And he's, thanks Bruce. Cheers, never needed these on stage before. And um, yeah, (laughs) and um. He's an elder in our, he's someone that we really esteem in our church and respect as a man of faith and for it to come from him, but more than that, for it to come from God audibly, that he was calling me by name and it made sense. And he had planned this 12 years earlier. 
when I'm sitting with my mentor, praying about a stupid boy, God calls me daughter of Zion. Why? Because my walls were down in that moment. And he knew something would resound within me and he positioned me and it felt like he had called me by name. And now look where I am. This is home. And we call ourselves Zion and I'm a daughter here. That's my role. That's my position. There's no if, buts or maybes. You can't fight that. 12 years later, God goes, here you go. Here's, here's a pillar moment for you. A moment that, is, that has a rock positioned at it so that you would forever remember that I had designed this from the very beginning. In Te Aumudu, of all places. Like it's not exactly the destination that you look up on Google Maps to see if there's houses available, right? But God like brought me out here. We, we call the church Zion and God says to me, I've, al- I've always called you this. And people often remark about how many sets of parents I have. Like everyone treats me like a daughter, which is sometimes fun and sometimes like not that fun. Okay. But that's a role that I take on for, because of God's design. And he could have called me many, many things, but he called me daughter of Zion. And he positioned me here and he's asked me to participate here. And the reality is that for every single one of you sitting in this room, God's inviting you to hear a similar thing. He's actually inviting you to find out what concrete block you are. And he's asking you to open your hearts enough to hear affirmation and confirmation. But it comes it, with the rights, with the rights of citizenship, come responsibilities. And, and I won't ever shy away from talking about that because it's not, it's not all like butterflies and rainbows and super fun, like daughter, la, la, la. No, there's responsibilities when you're a daughter because I now represent this house wherever I go. And if God's called me that, then there is a responsibility on my part to uphold what that looks like to him. To position myself in order that he would proudly say daughter of Zion. And what I felt for this morning, which we've already kind of started during worship, if the band could come back up, that would be awesome, is that God wants to give you a chance to hear for yourselves a prophetic word about who you are in this family. And if you're open to it, there is a beautiful thing that happens when that citizenship is held in your hand. And you're like, man, this is mine now. Not, not because of what we do, because don't, it's not a role-based thing. It's not based on what I'm doing here. It's based on who I am and who God is and where he's asking me to actually be committed to. And as we, as we kind of draw this series to a close over the next couple of weeks, I felt that it was just so important for us to pause and hear God for ourselves as to where he was positioning us because it starts to change how we hear things. It starts to change how we act. It starts to change who we want in our family, like we're actually willing to invite people. We want to see the family grow. When you love the family, you want to bring people into it. You know, I love when you see kids running around after church on Sunday and they're like, Mom, please, can my friend come to my house? Because they're so excited for their friend to possibly come and play with their toys. Imagine if we were that excited as family members, if we wanted people to see our house. If we were like, come and see what we do. 
We have food every third week, family table. Like, you should come for that. It's awesome. Free coffee, good coffee. The bristas are great. You know? We should be excited if this is what family is for us and God's inviting you to be part of the family and he's inviting you to find out what it looks like because it doesn't have to be a great mystery. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, outsiders without rights of citizenship, but you are fellow citizens with the saints, God's people, and are members of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone, in whom the whole structure is joined together, and it continues to increase, growing into a holy temple in the Lord, a sanctuary dedicated, set apart, and sacred to the presence of the Lord. In him and in fellowship with one another, you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. That is what Zion is. We are a dwelling place. That is literally what Zion means, and God is inviting you to be a part of the living temple that would allow Him to dwell here in order that others would see Him here. And that's not a four walls thing, people. The living temple is moving and growing and outside of a building structure. And God's asking us to position ourselves as as concrete blocks, if you will, on top of and next to the cornerstone that is Jesus himself in order that we would be a living temple. And he's inviting you to join that process. He's inviting you to join that family. So as the team start to play... Would you get yourself, position yourself however you need to to best hear God? This is, this is just a moment of quiet. We will have fun very soon and sausages and all of that, but this is a moment between you and God. And this is something that he, he wants to share with you. Not through me, not through Phil, but to you directly. He's inviting us to hear him like that. So as the team sing, you are welcome on the altar. You're welcome to lay on the floor at the back. You are welcome to dance in your seat. You are welcome to kneel before the throne. But allow yourself to hear a prophetic declaration of who you are in this family. This is Zion, the living, breathing, growing temple of God. And you're invited to be a part of it.